Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome George Ivanov, who's a Melbourne author who's written more than 100 books for kids and teens, including the Gamers Trilogy, the interactive YouTube series, the Red's Adventures, and his latest series, Other Worlds, in addition to writing, uh, uh, contributing to many educational books, uh, school readers. Welcome to Viewpoints, George Ivanov. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Now, George, I've, I've uh, as I said before the interview, I've done my homework on you and uh, yeah, you're stalking me online, stalking you online, yeah. and um, <laughs> talking and writing about yourself. You've uh, you've said is something you're not that comfortable with. No, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with um, fictional characters and 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 fictional fictional situations. I'm I'm fine with taking little bits and pieces of myself and 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 my own life and using them as inspiration for fiction. But you know, the real me, it's kind of like uh, I'm not that interesting. Why I don't, I don't want to talk about myself. No, well then we'll t- we'll <laughs> we're going to be compelled to today, George. I know, otherwise it's going to be a very, very um, odd interview. So tell me about someone else other than yourself. <laughs> How much of yourself is in your books? Oh, look, there is there is a lot of myself in in the books in in terms of um, in terms of my opinion, my world view, I guess my interests constantly show up in the stuff that I write. Um, you know, little bits and pieces of of myself will show up in characters. A lot of my characters, a lot of my main characters tend to be, you know, misfits in one way, shape or form because, you know, that's that's me. That was me at school. That was me at university. That was me in a lot of life, really, being the sort of person who never quite felt that they completely belonged or completely fitted in. So my characters are often misfits, not in the same way that I was, quite often in different ways, but that 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 emotional core of not fitting in, I, I know about that and I can I can instill my characters with that. You, you now spend quite a bit of time in schools and you're at our school mm. today and it's, it's a fabulous experience uh, seeing you there talk about your work with the children. Uh, mm. Knowing that, uh, that about yourself, when you present to children, clearly there'd be children in your audiences who you might spot who feel uh, that sort of uncomfortableness. How do you, how do you deal with that as a, as a teacher, so to speak? Well, that, that, that's interesting. Well, I don't know. I've never really thought of myself as a teacher, more as a, I, I don't know presenter entertainer more than 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 teacher i suppose um but yeah look i i do when i take questions from the kids for for instance i i will always scan the room beforehand and i've been watching the kids during the presentation so i can see which ones are interested which ones are not which ones are pretending not to be interested you know stuff like that so i do actually specifically choose particular people if they've got their hands up to ask questions so if i've noticed that one kid has been uh, you know a little away from everyone else and looking a bit shy and uncomfortable and stuff if that kid asks a question if that kid sticks a hand up for a question that i will choose that kid to ask a question because i recognize that them asking the question is probably a difficult thing for them to do and they must really want to do it so um, I do keep an eye out for, for things like that, I guess. Mm. And just following up on that before we talk about your work, uh, um, uh, quite a few authors find it uh, difficult, if not uncomfortable, 
talking about their work, doing interviews, engaging. The, oh, I would think that perhaps there's nothing more challenging than having a room full of young children sitting there because uh, you, you're going to see how they feel. Actually, <laughs> no, quite the opposite. I, I find it much more stressful, much more difficult to talk to a room full of grown-ups than I do to a room full of kids because kids are so much more honest. Um they're, they're, they don't have the filters that, that grown-ups do. And, and often they don't, also don't have the expectations that, that grown-ups will put onto you. Um, and, you know, the stuff that I write is for kids. So getting to talk to those kids and also getting the feedback from those kids, I think, is, is, is pretty important from what, for what I do. I think it's, it's important for me to stay connected with with the with the kids with what they're interested in with yeah with their opinions with their feedback and stuff um and i do i take it on board quite quite often there's quite a number of um the books that i've written have in some ways been influenced by the school visits that i've done and sometimes by even individual um individual comments made to me by kids I, can I tell you one? Can absolutely, I just I did, absolutely. I was writing, uh, early on when I was writing the, the YouTube books, I did um, uh, a school festival uh, with a bunch of other authors and um, one of the authors there, uh, I, can't remember which, uh, I can't remember which author it was, but uh, an author's well known for uh, doing humorous books with you know lots of bodily function humour mm. in it. Yes. And I, I, I did my session with the kids and this one kid came to see me after the session and he very, very earnestly looked up at me and said, you know, your books would be a whole lot better if they had more fart jokes. <laughs> and I realised up until that point I've never included a fart joke in my book and I was just planning out the next You Choose Adventure. Mm. So I wrote in an entire storyline about farting. And the reception? So, um, it's been really good. Um, the, the reception from kids was, like, fantastic. When, and, um, and it was all because that kid told me how he really felt about my books. And I listened. Do you think sometimes adults get it wrong because uh, in terms of which books they should publish, perhaps, for children? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think there is a... There is a, there's a huge difference between what kids want and what adults want their kids to read. And yes. <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act, really, in terms of, of writing stories because you can't write children's books that are going to completely appall the parents or the teachers ah. or the librarians because they're not going to buy the books for their kids. True. So it's, it's a constant, um, constant juggling act to try and make sure that you're not going too far across that line to, to what the kids want as opposed to what the parents want. And this is where a good editor comes in. You know, the, uh, people often say that, you know, a writer is only as good as their editor, and I 100% believe that. My editor, you know, guides me along that line of what I should perhaps or shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, you know, like the, the YouTube books cover a whole range of different genres and there's, there's a couple of horror ones in there. And they're, they're, they're fairly heavily edited back from their original drafts because the, you know, the editor has come back to me and said, you know what, I think there's just probably a little too much blood and gore in this scene here. <laughs> Kids will love it, but honestly... 
if the parents read this, there's no way they're going to buy it for their 10-year-old. Mm. So we should pull back a little bit on this and, and stuff like that. And you take um, notice of them? Of course I do, yeah. Um, they're, they're the ones with the experience in, mm. in terms of what parents will or will not buy. Have you ever so, had an argument with your editor, George, and you've mm. held your line in yes. disagreement oh, with Oh, yeah. Them? Look, um, I don't know about uh, so much as uh, an argument. Most of the time, the feedback is, is just that. It is feedback. It's not, you know, 100% you must do this. So with the, the editing down of the horror, my never, editor never said to me, you must remove this. It's like, I think it would be better to tone it down a little bit. Then it's up to me how I do that. Um, uh, the only time I ever actually had a complete out-and-out -out argument with mm. my editor was over something really stupid and little and small. It was one in, in one of my earlier books, and I had a character with uh, just a very particular way of, of speaking, and the character uh, referring to someone as some, something referred to it as the sorta, kinda, sorta, whatever. Yep. And my editor just edited it down to sorta. And I right. put back in sort of, kind of, sort of. And he was saying, no, 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 you, you, you've said it three times. You don't need it three times, just just once. And I said, no, 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 this is part of the speech pattern. It's got to be yeah. sort of, kind of, sort of. It can't be just sort of. No, he said, just sort of or kind of, pick one and stick. And we argued with it for ages over all of the drafts. He'd keep changing it. I keep mm. changing it. Back. And we eventually ended up with a compromise where the character says sort of, kind of, instead of sort of, kind of, sort of. And, so like, and I don't think either of us were in really happy with that in the end. So. But it's such a stupid little thing to have argued over. You know, there were major changes made to those to those books that I went, oh, yeah, actually, that makes sense. And we went and there were other things that I mm. was suggested and that uh, I said, no, 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 I don't, don't want to do that. And they were fine with it. But that this one little, little, little stupid point, we argued over it. And I don't it, know why. It, it probably makes sense in a, in a way, George, just reflecting on what you said, because the major thing, tend to be more self-evident. That one's perhaps one of style and really didn't matter. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, yeah. Yeah. Now, you've uh, written across... Uh, you've written for kids and teens, but mm. you've had many variations, at least four different types of books you've written, starting yeah. with The Gamers, you might... Uh, trilogy, you might like to run mm. through the history of your books. All right. Uh, well, f actually, it, it started off with a, um, a short story collection called Life, Death and Detention, which was kind of... Um, well, it was YA. So, um, a happy book? No, not really. No, um, I was being facetious. <laughs> 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 um, look, there are happy YA books out there. I've, I've read a lot of them, but I've never written a happy <laughs> YA book. Uh, um, and, it, you know, a lot of hard-hitting stories about life in high school mm. and stuff. And uh, the book bombed miserably. Um, uh, it was with a publisher that was taken over by a larger publisher that then didn't put promotion into it. And I was it was my first book. I was stupidly naive and didn't realise that I should actually be going out there to do publicity and promotion myself. Never occurred to me. Didn't you? No, never occurred to me. No one told me. So the book got some great reviews and no one bought it and died a miserable <laughs> death and... <laughs> Um, the publisher wanted nothing more to do with me because uh, it didn't sell. Um, at the same time, I also had my first educational book, which was part of a series that did mm. really well. So I then spent the next 10 years exclusively writing for the education market. So non-fiction books for classroom study, um, lots of school readers, that sort of stuff. So it was 10 years before I then made it back into the bookshop market, and that was mm. with the Gamers Trilogy and with Ford Street Publishing, fantastic Melbourne-based 
um, small publishers, you know, um, dedicated to children, children's and young adult mm. stuff. So, so the gamers' books were kind of straddled the line, I guess, between middle grade and, and young adult. Uh, I guess I'd call them low end young adult, mm. um, although safe for younger readers. Yeah. Um, that was one of the earlier pieces of advice that I got from my editor there was, I think these books will hit with a younger audience as well. So how about we remove all those references to prostitution? Um, <laughs> so they got taken out of the book, which was fine because they really didn't matter. That was part of the world building and it was an element that could be replaced with something else. So that went out. And that was a really good decision because it, it tended to be, the books tended to really hit the mark mostly with about the grade six market which yeah that would not have been no, appropriate for um so yeah that that was a, a a good experience those three books they they were never huge sellers but they were good enough sellers to get me on the map and um noticed by a, a larger publisher which was um random house at yep. the time now part of penguin random house and so my next series of books the the you choose books inspired by my love of the old choose your own adventure yes. novels um, really hit the mark and they did really well. And yeah, I've been with uh, uh, Penguin Random House now ever since. Um, yeah, which has all been really good. Absolutely. We'll take a short break, George. Can you hold the line? Sure thing. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosak. I'm going to a discussion with George Ivanov, a Melbourne author who's written more than 100 books for kids and teens. Welcome back, George. Thank you very much. Your latest series, George, Other Worlds. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you can see a link back to your early work, but it is different. Um, yeah. Um, it's, a, I guess, a culmination of a whole bunch of different things. Um, there, there's my love of science fiction and fantasy, I, I, I knew that I wanted to do a full-on sci-fi fantasy series. Mm -hmm. There is um, my experience of reading book series to my children in there and the number of book series that are so repetitive for, for younger kids. They just like rehash the same story over and over again in slightly different situations. Is that or even, lazy writing in your opinion? Um N no, it's 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 writing to a formula, mm. and um, I I personally don't like it, but kids obviously do because those series like that are really really popular. I mean, you look at something like um, oh, the the uh, Rainbow Magic Fairy mm. books, really extraordinarily popular. You know, there are literally hundreds of books in this mm. series, you know, and the the author's name is Daisy Meadows, which is like a pseudonym for a uh, a stable of authors that write for those books. And, you know, every now and then, reading those books, one will stand out as being a little more original, written right. by one particular author who's got, a, you know, manages to stick to the formula but gives something a little extra as well. But generally, I didn't like that formulaic approach. No. And even in books that were a cut above the rest and weren't formulaic, um, and I'm thinking like um, the EJ12 books, EJ12 Girl Spy, yep. fantastic series of books. You know, really good original stories. Each one is quite different, takes the series into new grounds. Wonderfully imaginative um, and, and wonderfully uh, 
wonderfully put together books. But even so, each book begins with kind of the same information about the character because they're designed to be read individually. You don't have mm. to read it as a series. So each one has to give you all the background information on the character. And my kids, like, like me personally, they're obsessive readers who need to read everything in order all the way through. <laughs> so we read every single book in that series together and having to go over that same information at the beginning of each book drove me nuts. Even though I loved the books, I didn't love that recap of information. So I wanted to not do that. So I wanted to do a series where the books were individual but where I didn't have to give this huge regurgitation of information at the beginning of each one. And that came into formulating how these books were written and how I put those books together and also why I structured those books so that each one is quite different tonally and, and in its approach. So, you know, the first one is straight science fiction, slightly serious edge. The second one, completely over-the-top fun fantasy. The next one, science fiction, but with more action-adventure, computer games sort of base to it. And the fourth one, kind of mixing genres with a bit of sci-fi, a bit of fantasy, and then some horror thrown in as well. So, yeah, it's like the culmination of a lot of things in that respect. Also, it is... I think the series of books that sum me up as a person more than anything I have ever written mm -hmm. and that there is more of my personal opinion, more of my worldview in these books than in anything else. Um, is that a coming out of George Ivanov uh, professionally or not? I think it's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a confidence thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a little more confident about saying, well, this is how I feel about the world. And you know what? There's no reason why I can't put it into my books. So, you know, that, that first book is set um, in a, a city full of identical perfect clones. Mm -hmm. And it is my statement on the world today and how, uh, you know, forced conformity and trying to make everyone the same and stuff is a really bad idea. And, with you know, diversity brings strength to a, to a community, to a, to a society. I very much firmly believe that. And I use this piece of fiction to get that idea across. So yeah, and I think it is. A, I think it's very much a confidence issue, and I, I, I guess I'm more confident in myself as a person to put my ideas out there. Was there a time in your writing career when a particular review or a particular reception to mm. uh, your work took the complete wind out of your sails? If oh. we're talking about confidence, <laughs> um, no. I've had bad reviews. I had, I've had some appalling reviews, but I know that it is one person's opinion and you're never going to please everyone. No. I mean, there are loads of books that I've read that, uh, you know, people love and adore and I couldn't stand and I've hated. And that's my opinion, even though these are extraordinarily popular books that everybody else loves. Mm. So I know it's, a, it's just it's a one opinion thing. And... Um, I actually don't mind a bad review. I can, I can look at a bad review and um, think that's that's fine. And and I have I, my worst ever review. Yes. My worst ever review <laughs> was for a short story that I had in an anthology. It was actually a, a, a grown-up, uh, so uh, uh, adult stories uh, about um, vampires in Australia. And I just. This one particular review, you know, it was basically a lacklustre review to the collection as a whole, but it picked my story out as being the worst in the collection and just ripped it to pieces and told me everything that was wrong with it. And, and 
I was reading it and going, I wonder, has this person, like, obviously hasn't understood the story, and is it my fault? Have I not given it, put the mm. information across properly, or are they of just an obtuse reader? Um, and a couple of weeks later, that story was put on Ellen Datlow's um, long list for uh, best horror stories in the world. Best horror stories in the world. It says it so, all, doesn't it? Um, you know, because she puts a list together each year and then an anthology. So this made the long list. didn't make the short list, but it made the long list, which m more than made up for that that terrible, terrible review. It's been a Thank pleasure you. having you, well, both at our school. There's an afternoon coming up still, but also um, to chat with you about uh, your career and your work and your life. Thank you very much for having me here. My pleasure. It was George Ivanov. Uh, George is a Melbourne author, a very successful one, who's written more than 100 books for kids and teens, and I highly recommend them. We'll take a short break. Listeners, don't go away. 